God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is the Everyday Christian Podcast. Season 2, Episode 14 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green, and today we want to talk about a listener-requested topic, Christian dating practices. Now, I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, You might laugh at me if you want, but I'm pretty old-fashioned when it comes to this, and I think there's a good moral reason for that, and we'll get into that in a moment. Also want to keep in mind for this particular episode of the podcast, uh, if you've got young ears listening, You probably don't want them to listen to this particular episode. We will cover a few things that are uh, not something that you necessarily want to talk to uh, really young kids about. Now, these are things they do need to be educated on at some point, but you can leave that up to the the individual parents as far as what age you think they're ready for these things. So again, just a disclaimer, if you have kids that normally listen to this podcast, uh, particularly young kids, I would say they might not be ready for a few of the things that I'll be talking about uh, in this particular episode. So just a fair warning there. You know, certainly this is a much-needed topic. Young people who might be listening to this, and uh, I say young people in the sense of, you know, teenagers, uh, not super young kids, but teenagers that might be listening to this, you need to understand that when, when it comes to to this time in your life when you start dating, and maybe you're already dating, this is going to be one of the most crucial moments in your life from a spiritual standpoint. Now, I want to let you in on a little bit of a secret. You may have already figured this out. When you start dating, your focus on all the things that you used to focus on, it might be sports, it might be hunting and fishing, it might be other hobbies, it might be your schoolwork, might be your after-school job, etc. When you start dating, your focus for those kinds of things is going to dramatically drop, and much of your attention is going to be devoted to that new relationship. I know when I was dating Lindsay, uh, that was certainly the case. I was very much fixated on her, and, and we were in love. And you know, I look back to many fond memories of those days, and also say this: you know, in some ways, it can be a good thing that you're focusing, you're fixated on that relationship, you need to devote a lot of attention to figuring this person out. Is he or she right for me? Uh, Do they have a good personality? Is it someone that I enjoy being around, etc.? And then also you need to devote some time to figuring out what kind of person are they, morally speaking. But if we're not careful, our lives can become consumed by this new relationship to the point that we're maybe up all night uh, on the phone with them and we don't want to get up and go to worship services on that next Sunday morning. Uh, Maybe we're neglecting Bible study, we're neglecting prayer, we're neglecting service, uh, evangelism, just general growth uh, as Christians, and that can then become a bad thing if we're too focused on that person. So that's the first thing I would want to uh, remind you as Uh, as a young person who might be venturing into the the world of dating, um, 
understand that you're probably going to be pretty consumed with this person that you're developing this relationship with. And in one sense, it can be good, but in other senses, it can be bad, and you just need to be careful. But number two is sin. Now, after you have dated somebody for any length of time, maybe a couple of weeks, it may be a couple of months, maybe a couple of years, temptations will occur. Satan is going to use that as an opportunity to tempt you to engage in sexual immorality. You know, as you as you grow closer and closer to that person in a romantic sense, you're going to be tempted. And uh, if you are normal, biologically speaking, those temptations will occur. So you have to understand then that there's going to be this temptation that takes place and you've got to be extremely cautious. Now, if you're one that's saying, no, that's not going to be me, you don't know me, um, you know, that doesn't really bother me that much, you're fooling yourself. Romantic relationships with a biological male and a biological female will turn into, at some point, uh, this sexual attraction uh, in normal circumstances, unless there's something physically wrong with a person, that will turn into that type of sexual attraction. And when it does, uh, if you're not married, then there's going to be temptation to sin. And so you've just got to be extremely careful about this, and you need to put some safeguards in place uh, in the dating relationship, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But also I'd like to say this, and that is the influence of your boyfriend or your girlfriend uh, on you as a Christian. Number one, is this person that you're dating a Christian? Number two, what kind of parent will this person be for your future children, if you have children? What is he or she devoting himself or herself to as far as an occupation goes? What is the focus in school? Uh, does this person have a job already? How is that going to affect a financial situation in your future? These are things that you need to consider when dating someone as well. What is this person's family like? What are her parents like? What are her siblings like? You know, that's going to be grandparents and aunts and uncles for your children one day. And so they're going to have influence on your children. Is it going to be a good influence or is it going to be a bad influence? Someone says, well, wait a minute, you're going way too fast. Marriage, or uh, as the movie says, marriage. I'm not interested in marriage, right? Uh, well, if you're not interested in marriage, then dare I say that maybe you shouldn't be interested in dating. You know, sometimes people want to date in the sense that they just want to have fun. They want to have a relationship just because, well, their friends have relationships, so I want to have a relationship too. Or, you know, I want to get some dating experience. I, I want to test the waters a little bit. If that's your thought process regarding dating, then you need to watch out. You're probably heading for trouble, and that's a recipe for disaster. You know, I think that our modern version of dating is very dangerous because what I just described for you, uh, wanting to have fun, wanting to have a boyfriend or girlfriend just so that you can say that you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, that companionship, uh, wanting to test the waters and get some experience, you know, not planning on getting married for 10 or 15 more years, but just wanting to, to date, that can 
in all likelihood and in situations of more than likely having multiple boyfriends and girlfriends, that can lead to a lot of years of enduring sexual temptations, lots of mistakes that are taking place, whether we're talking about mistreatment of one another in the relationship, uh, fighting and breaking up, and uh, that cycle that sometimes can can come about in dating, uh, or sexual mistakes. It's just opening yourself up to uh, a lot of situations uh, if you're not extremely careful that are not good for, for a young Christian. And so a lot of times what ends up happening is you kind of practice for divorce. I mean, you think about how many young people are dating, and they date this boy for a little while, and then they date another boy, and then they date another boy, and then they date another boy, or uh, vice versa. I'm going to date this girl for a little while, and then this girl, and get sick of her, and so now I'm going to date this girl over here. What are you doing? Are you not practicing for divorce? Because if you if you take uh, that kind of mindset, and then you put it into a marriage, well, what's going to happen naturally? Well, I'm sick of her, so let's just get a divorce. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that marriage is for uh, life. We know in Matthew chapter 19, marriage is between one man and one woman, male and female. They leave father and mother. They cling together, and they're married. And the only scriptural reason for dissolving that marriage and then uh, subsequent remarriage afterwards in Matthew 19 verse 9 is by reason of fornication then the innocent party, of course, can remarry. But God certainly does not desire that any should divorce. In fact, he hates divorce, the book of of Malachi teaches us. So you don't want to, as part of your dating process, practice for divorce by having multiple boyfriends or girlfriends and and spending decades uh, dating before maybe eventually marrying. And I think, sadly, that's really what the, the dating landscape looks like in modern society. Well, with the time that we have remaining, I want us to discuss, number one, how do I know that I'm ready to date? But number two, I want to ask us, what is the purpose of dating from a biblical standpoint? And then number three, I want to discuss some safeguards to put into place uh, when we do date. Number one, how do I know if I'm ready to date? Now, again, I'm old-fashioned, but I'm going to give you a real simple answer. Are you ready to get married? And someone says, come on, are you serious? And I would say yes. What does dating lead to? What is the end goal of dating? Well, if we're Christians, you would think it would be marriage, right? And even in in non-Christian circles, For the vast majority of history, the purpose of dating was to find a spouse. You know, even the old rhyme that the kids used to say on the playground says, first comes love, then comes marriage, right? And then comes the baby in the the baby carriage. Nowadays, too many people get it backwards. First comes love, if even that. Uh, Oftentimes nowadays, it's first comes casual hookups, uh, friends with benefits type relationships. And then comes a baby in the baby carriage, possibly. And then, maybe, comes marriage. You see, that's backwards. And that's sinful. And so, when we ask ourselves, are we ready to date? 
In order to answer that, we need to ask ourselves if we're ready to marry. Are you ready to have a job to provide for that wife, young men, and eventually children? Are you ready to leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife? Genesis 2 verse 24. Well, no, I'm not going to be ready for that for another five or ten years from now. Well, if that's the case, then why are you wanting to date? You see, I honestly think that we err when we encourage 10 and 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old boys and girls to have boyfriends when they clearly, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends, when they clearly have no business getting married at a minimum for another five or 10 years. I think we're setting ourselves up for failure. I think we're setting ourselves up for temptation to sin when we do that. I mean, we're talking about incredibly young, teenage, hormones raging ages, and we're perfectly fine with sending them out to date. We're perfectly fine uh, letting them go wherever alone with their boyfriend, girlfriend, and then we wonder why sinful situations happen. The Bible says that if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Proverbs 6, verses 27 through 28. Can a man take a fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Well, the answer is obvious. Well, no, you can't. Can you go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? No, you can't. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. And sadly, I think we have a lot of young people who are playing with fire in the sense that they are uh, finding a lot of romantic partners uh, in the dating world uh, at extremely young ages, and they've got hormones raging, and they're doing things they ought not be doing. And before you know it, they've had many romantic partners uh, in in sinful situations, and they're they're causing a world of hurt to themselves. And they've got, you know, we, we use the term baggage uh, because of that, and they're setting themselves up for very sad situations where maybe one day they would get married, but they've got all that baggage that they're bringing into the marriage. It's really, really sad. Well, that leads us to point number two. What is the purpose of dating, biblically speaking? Now, again, I would say marriage, right? First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes perhaps a baby in the baby carriage. Uh, Historically, what was always the case up until recent decades was that a young man would be interested in a young woman. And the reason for that would be because he was interested in finding a potential wife. You know, it's not that way anymore necessarily, but that was how it was for many, many years uh, until recent decades with the sexual revolution and that mindset. You know, back in the old days, uh, they called it courting. And the idea was that a young man would pursue a romantic relationship with a young woman with the full intent of seeing if that young woman was a suitable helper, uh, a helpmeet, as the King James says, uh, for him. That, and that's biblical. They would go through a fairly short period of time when they would date, and oftentimes it was very well supervised, and there's certainly wisdom in that. Uh, they dated in an appropriate manner, and they would try to figure out if uh, everything went well, if 
they were suitable for marriage. You know, this usually would happen over a period of months rather than years and years and years. Sometimes it even happened over a period of weeks. But you know what? Even in those relatively short engagements, the divorce rate was very minuscule in times gone by. Why do you think that is? Because people went into marriage. Well, let me back up. People went into dating with the purpose of marriage, and then they went into the marriage with the purpose of staying married. Divorce was not even in their vocabulary, and in fact, divorce was extremely rare. I mean, it did happen, but it was rare. People went into it with the right mindset. Do I want to marry this person or not? And if not, that's fine. Uh, But the way that dating took place back then, you didn't date that person for five years and then decide, you know what, I'm I'm done with this person. No, Uh, you dated them for a few weeks and said, oh, I don't like this person. And you called off the courting relationship. And you didn't give uh, certain parts of yourself to that person in sinful ways and consequently gain all that baggage. You, You didn't do it with the the dating relationships that took place in very careful, supervised, appropriate relationships uh, in those old days. And when you did get married, they took it seriously. They believed till death do us part. They meant that. Today, it's not the case. I don't remember the most recent statistics, but I want to say that it's approximately in the 50 percentile of marriages that last, and marriages that end in divorce. So you basically have a one in two shot of making your marriage last for a lifetime today. 50% approximately. It's just awful. And our young people are going into uh, marriage seeing examples of failed marriages in their uh, parent situations and maybe grandparents and, and friends, parents and It's just, it's not what it's supposed to be. And and we wonder why uh, people don't take marriage seriously. We wonder why they don't take their marriage vows seriously and and, uh, wander uh, outside the marriage and and cheat on their spouses. We wonder why. And in many cases, it's because they're not being given a biblical example of what marriage is supposed to look like. By the way, I have a resource before me that I'd like to point out, and it's a book recommendation for this subject. It's called Dating Without Detonating, Preparing Young Christians and also their parents to survive the courting years. This is a book by Dr. Jeff Jeff Miller, and I believe it's an excellent resource. I've I've read most of it uh, for protecting our hearts as we date for uh, protecting our children's hearts as they date as well. I want to read the the back cover of that book for you in case you're interested in it, and uh, I'll put the, the link in the comments. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Proverbs 22, verse 3. Scripture is clear that Christians are soldiers in a war between the forces of God and the forces of Satan. America has been, in a sense, the headquarters 
of New Testament Christianity in the war since the church has been strongest here. If I was Satan, what would I do to spiritually destroy the headquarters of the enemy, the nation that has been largely responsible for the spread of true Christianity throughout the world? Answer, dismantle its foundation, the home. The home is the ultimate recruitment and training center for the church. The foundation of the home is marriage, and marriages in America are the result of our dating practices, practices which have been completely overhauled over the last several decades. Have the changes been beneficial? No. Divorce rates have soared, even in the church. Our young people are increasingly AWOL, absent without leave, many times even enlisting in the enemy's army. There is no doubt that the changes, of which Satan has surely been the instigator, have been extremely damaging to the church and also this nation. It's time to learn from those who have come before us, whose courting practices created solid marriages and passionate Christians. It's time to see what God has to say about romance, the who, what, when, where, and why, and how of dating. So again, this is very good. Uh, dating Without Detonating by Jeff Miller, Ph.D. Very good resource for guarding our hearts, showing young people how to properly date other young people uh, without getting hurt. So that I definitely highly recommend. Well, another recommendation that I have for you if you're thinking about dating, or maybe you're already dating, and that is some, some Bible passages that would be good for you to read as well. And the first recommendation is the book of Ruth, uh, Ruth and Boaz, and how you know Boaz treated her very gentlemanly, and also Ruth's mindset in that book as well, how she first she followed uh, her mother-in-law and went wherever she went, and ultimately she then uh, got married to Boaz and joined herself to him and uh, was loyal to him uh, as her husband. Also, Isaac and Rebekah, Genesis chapter 24. Uh, Jacob and Rachel, Genesis chapter 29. And also, for that matter, go back to the first part of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, uh, Adam and Eve, and the very institution of marriage. I want you to notice the purpose of all these relationships and how it ended in marriage. I also want you to notice how it was handled uh, with these men conducting themselves honorably toward their wives. And notice again how gentlemanly uh, Boaz was, and notice how even the parents got involved in in the uh, relationship. Uh, remember when Abraham was looking for a wife for Isaac? As he was getting in his old age, he said, uh, I don't want him to marry one of these Canaanites. And I'm sure that the reason for that was because of their idolatry. Uh, the Canaanites were notoriously wicked uh, idolaters. Uh, but he says, no. Go back to my home country and find for me a wife for Isaac there. And, of course, he ends up finding uh, Rebecca, and she was a good wife to him. So notice how the parents got involved. And, you know, that's real old-fashioned, too. Uh, but I do think it's wise for parents to not necessarily arrange a marriage uh, for their children, but, but at least, you know, maybe a gentle nudge here and there and, Hopefully, parents and children have a, the kind of relationship with one another uh, that they have this open communication between parents and children that says, hey, 
um, you know, have you considered her? She might be a good wife someday. Uh, what do you think about her? Do you like her? And, you know, son says, well, yeah, actually, I, I kind of do. And, well, why don't you think about asking her on a date? I mean, seriously, I mean, that is, that's a good practice for parents to consider. And when they take that proactive approach, I think they can, can help uh, show wisdom to their children in who they ought to pick for a mate and also hopefully help uh, save their children from a lot of heartache that maybe the parents uh, experienced uh, back when they dated. Well, number three, and the last point that we want to make for today is some safeguards for the dating relationship. And the first safeguard that I have for you is that I would strongly recommend that you make up your mind early and you, as parents listening to this, help make up your children's minds early that you're only going to date a faithful Christian. Now, this caveat, when you say, well, they didn't find a faithful Christian, but they found a really good person. Okay, well, that's great. But is that really good person uh, a candidate for uh, conversion? Uh, is that person uh, a good prospect for evangelizing them and helping them become a Christian. You know, that's the case with me. Uh, Lindsay, she obeyed the gospel when we were dating, and I could tell that it was genuine. And the reason that I could tell it was genuine was because I didn't push her at all. She came to me uh, just by listening to the preaching at church and said, look, I need to be baptized. I need to obey the gospel. And so I knew that she was genuine when she did so, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. But again, uh, make up your mind that you're either going to marry a person who's already a Christian, or you are going to seriously consider uh, if they are a really good person, per se, uh, that you make sure that, hey, you know, before we get married, we probably want to make sure that we uh, see if this person obeys the gospel. I would also tell you to exercise caution on that. Uh, what if they obey the gospel only because they want to, quote-unquote, get the girl? and their heart's not really in it. Well, that sometimes happens too. And so you just need to be careful. You need to practice wisdom in making sure that uh, you marry a Christian. But not only that, let's say this person is a Christian. Well, what kind of Christian are they? Uh, how does this person speak? Do they use filthy language? Are they mean-spirited? Uh, do they like to gossip? Are they a liar? Uh, how do they treat their parents? How do they treat their grandparents, their siblings? Uh, how do they treat other people? Do they treat people with respect? Do they treat their parents and grandparents and other family members and, and other people, for that matter, with respect? Do they care about other people more than their self? Uh, do they serve others or are they self-serving? Pay attention to them uh, in the line at Thanksgiving, for instance. Are they the first one in line and do they pile that plate high? Or do they wait till everybody else goes through the line and then uh, they serve themselves? That's that's an indicator of what they think about other people. What kind of music do they listen to? Uh, what kind of TV shows uh, or movies do they watch? Are they watching things? Are they listening to things that's immoral? Do they read their Bible? Do they pray? Are they involved in worship? Uh, are they involved in community service? Uh, what kind of student are they? Do they work? Are they a diligent worker? These are all good indicators of what kind of person that is currently 
and also what kind of person that person's going to be 10 years from now. Is this person someone who's constantly trying to improve themselves, or are they not at all concerned with self-improvement? Again, that's going to determine what kind of person they're going to be in 10 years. So that's safeguard number one. Uh, but what's what about safeguard number two? I would strongly suggest that when you do decide to venture into dating, that you only do so when you're also at that moment in your life when you're thinking about marriage. Honestly, in most circumstances today, we're talking at least 18 to 19 years old at the youngest. Because I don't know of anybody who gets married younger than 18 uh, today. Now, it used to be more commonplace where you know, girls would marry when they're 14, 15 years old. Uh, and usually they'd marry a little bit older male in most situations. But that was in the 1930s. Okay, Today, the vast majority of people do not get married until they're at least 18. And I think there's wisdom in that. I also think that those 13 and 14-year-olds from the 1930s were a lot more mature than today's 13 and 14-year-olds, for sure. But anyways, if you are thinking about dating, in my opinion, I think you should only do that when you're also thinking about marriage. Now, I know this is old-fashioned. I know that you might disagree with me on this, but I honestly think that this is the safest policy from a spiritual perspective. You need to determine what your intentions are when you venture into dating. If you're only in dating just for having fun, you're probably headed for trouble. But if you are ready to, to marry and you see a candidate that you date and you think, yes, I want to marry this person. This is a good, faithful Christian. She's going to be a faithful uh, wife and mother to our children or vice versa. He's going to be a faithful husband, a faithful father to our children. Uh, he's a good hard worker, and uh, he's a, a wonderful Christian, and I want to marry this person. Well, great. It sounds like you're probably dating for the right purpose uh, if you're doing that. But also, here's another safeguard. Uh, number three, pay close attention to what your family and especially your parents think about your choice in this potential spouse. Do your parents like? this person? Do they get along with your parents? Or do your parents point out some things that are potential red flags that maybe you have overlooked? You know, parents, if they're good parents, if they're righteous parents, are going to be able to offer some wisdom, some experience, and they're also going to be able to see some things that you may not be able to see uh, because you're kind of in the fog of love. And so definitely pay attention to what your family thinks uh, about this person who you are dating and considering for marriage. Safeguard number four. In order to guard against sexual sin, the Bible says that we are to flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18. The sin of fornication is a sin that, that you sin against your own body. And so don't do it. You know, you think back to Joseph in, in Genesis. Uh, when Potiphar's wife tempted him, he ran as far as he could the other direction. I think of a of another prominent character in the Bible who did not run away from, from fornication, of course, uh, David with Bathsheba, and we see the consequences of that. You don't want to mess with 
the sin of fornication. It's extremely tempting, especially when your hormones are raging, uh, both male and female. Uh, they have hormones that, that cause these types of feelings, and it is natural. I mean, that's the way God designed us, uh, but he designed us to fulfill those feelings only in marriage. Hebrews 13, verse 4, the marriage bed is undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers, God's going to judge. So you have to flee then those temptations uh, when you're not married. Well, in order to flee that, what can we do? How can we date in a proper, appropriate manner so that we're fleeing those types of temptations? Well, here's a list for you. Number one, make up your mind that you're not going to go anywhere with your boyfriend or your girlfriend uh, alone. When you do go somewhere with your boyfriend and girlfriend, date them in a public place. Uh, and when I say public, I mean uh, openly public with plenty of people around so that you don't have that opportunity to uh, engage in sexual immorality. Uh, for instance, a movie theater is a public place, but there's one section of the movie theater that's notorious for uh, young teenagers who like to go to that particular section to engage in sexual immorality, right? We're talking about the back row, right? Uh, everybody knows that the back row of the movie theater is not the place that a young couple really ought to be sitting uh, because that's where uh, it's, it's least visible and it's notorious for, for sinful things that go on there. So sit forward in the theater where lots of people can see you. Don't park your car in a dimly lit area where there's virtually no one around. That's a recipe for disaster. Uh, what about this? Go on a double date. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going on a double date. In, in fact, it's quite fun. And you can go with another young Christian couple and have a lot of fun together. And People of, of like-minded faith spend time with them and kind of foster those relationships with other young couples that are dating as well. And it can be a lot of fun to have someone tag along with you and go bowling or uh, go putt-putt golfing or go shopping or, or what have you, uh, but go with multiple people so that you're not having an occasion uh, where it's just you and boyfriend or girlfriend alone. What about this? Bring your parents along uh, and and let them have some input on the dating process. In fact, it's quite wise to pay attention to what your parents think about this person and also pay attention to how they interact with this person. Uh, does it go well? Uh, is it respectful? Um, are the conversations uh, deep, meaningful conversations? Uh, is it awkward? You know, if it's not awkward when you're dating, then it's probably, chances are, not going to be awkward when you're married. And so you won't have to worry about uh, awkward and maybe family drama type situations uh, when you have uh, family get-togethers uh, for the holidays, for example, when you get married. Here's another safeguard for the actual dating process itself to avoid sexual immorality, and that is don't talk about sexual subjects with one another. Now, I would add this caveat. With the exception of in situations of premarital counseling uh, in preparation for the wedding, okay, you're very far in the relationship and you're getting married very soon, and you're sitting down with the preacher or elders 
or a trusted friend and you're maybe having some premarital counseling, within that context, there's probably some sexual subjects that may come up and, and need to come up. Uh, maybe with your, your parents even, you might be counseling with them before the marriage. There's probably some sexual subjects that need to come up in that kind of context, but even then it needs to be handled carefully so that we're not encouraging uh, sexual contact uh, before uh, you're married. And I say all that to say this, just talking about sex can can lead to temptation. You talk about it, and you may talk about it in a very general general sense, for a little while, but then you start talking to one another and say, hey, I'd kind of like to do this. And obviously, when you cross that line, uh, it's leading into sin. So just avoid that subject until you're married or maybe uh, right before marriage as you're you're pre- preparing for marriage in a counseling type setting. Well, also another safeguard that's important is you need to very much so limit physical contact until marriage. Uh, There's lots of greetings and things that are physical in nature that uh, can be harmless or can be the road to disaster uh, if they're done inappropriately. Okay, so for instance, hugs. There's such a thing as a harmless hug. There's also such a thing as an inappropriate hug. And it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out the difference between the two. And so a side hug can certainly be appropriate, uh, but a full-on frontal hug that takes place uh, in a very uh, long time frame and allows contact that is inappropriate, clearly that's not something that uh, a dating couple should be doing. Um, You know, hand-holding can be a good thing. Uh, but here's some things that are not so good. Uh, kissing. Um, now, am I saying like a, a very small peck of a kiss? Uh, that might be appropriate, but certainly what we call making out uh, is not appropriate at all and will definitely lead to further sexual temptations uh, to where uh, fornication takes place. Inappropriate. A uh, young man puts his hand on a girl's thigh. That is inappropriate, okay? Uh, sexual impure thoughts will occur in both the male and the female if you do that. There are limits that need to be placed on physical contact, period. Uh, And if you're not limiting yourself in that way, then that is a recipe for disaster. And there's one more safeguard that I'd like to talk about regarding this, and that is don't date for 10, 15, 20 years um, before tying the knot. I don't know anyone who could honestly say that if they're romantically involved with someone for that long, that they could abstain from sexual immorality Uh, if if they are normal, uh, biologically normal. It's not going to happen, okay? Don't date for an extremely long period of time and then expect that you're not going to be strongly tempted towards sexual immorality. Um, I just don't think that happens. Uh, You you may prove me wrong, and if so, more power to you, but I really don't think that uh, the average person can withstain uh, from sexual immorality if they're romantically involved with somebody for a very long 
period of time. What's wrong with the short engagement and, and then having the wedding? Uh, you know, over the period of maybe a few weeks or, or just a couple of months rather than well, we're going to be engaged for two years. What's wrong with with the short engagement? Those short engagements used to be commonplace, but nowadays uh, it's the opposite. And people are engaged for two, three years and then they don't ever get married. And uh, They're afraid of commitment or whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe they don't have the money for a big elaborate wedding. You don't have to have a big elaborate wedding to to be married. And in fact, if you're putting more emphasis on the wedding and the cost and, and uh, the dress and decorations and all that than you are on actually preparing for marriage, then you're, you're messed up and, and your priorities are wrong and you're probably not ready to get married, honestly. So again, uh, do not prolong the relationship uh, so much so that you're with this person for an incredibly long period of time uh, without actually uh, officially getting married and and then uh, being allowed by God uh, to have that special sexual relationship that is blessed in a marriage. So that's briefly what I wanted to talk about today regarding dating practices. Again, I do honestly believe that Dating as it occurs in most of society today is probably not good. Uh, it's very unwise and in many, many, many circumstances, sinful situations end up taking place in those dating relationships. In other circumstances, maybe sin's not taking place, but the proper priorities aren't being given and the young people end up marrying somebody who's not really a suitable uh, help meet, uh, not somebody that's going to help them get to heaven. And that should be the ultimate goal. Uh, when we get married, uh, backing up, when we're dating, which should lead to marriage, uh, are we doing so with someone who we think is going to help us get to heaven, or are we doing it because we want to have fun? Are we doing it because we want to be popular So and, and to be able to say that we can have a boyfriend or, or girlfriend? Uh, that is critical. We need to make sure that our young people understand that. We need to make sure that our young people are dating properly and with, with the right priorities and with the right intentions as they venture into dating. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Season is rapidly coming to a close. Uh, season two, we, Lord willing, we'll have two more episodes. Next week, we'll talk about parenting, another listener requested topic and then the week after that lord willing we'll venture into a little bit of apologetics christian evidences and then that will be it for season two of the everyday christian podcast so i certainly thank you the listener for joining us in this podcast and i hope that you will continue to listen and share the podcast with your friends and family thank you very much